Hello, everyone. Welcome to Forge and Anvil, the podcast where we hammer out uncomfortable conversations about culture, politics, theology, to sharpen ourselves for the race set before us. My name is Connor. I am host of this podcast. Uh, Kathy Barnett was going to be joining us tonight um, to talk all about her involvement with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's 2024 uh, campaign, as well as, of course, her past involvement in her own political races. Um, but uh, it turns out Kathy is sick in bed and we had a communication error, so we did not know that. Um, but uh, uh, either way, we have a stand in for Kathy. Um, so, Matthias, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, so my name is Matthias. I am Kathy's advisor. So we are on the grassroots side of uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign. Uh, I was in the campaign since the second month of the campaign. So it's been seven months now. Um, and yeah, sorry about those who expected to see Kathy tonight. Uh, I'll do my best to, to fill in. Awesome. Well, welcome. And we appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. And then I am joined uh, by Jason from Dear Walk Christian. So Jason, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience for those hey. who don't already know you. Hey, everybody. It's me, Jason, Dear Walk Christian. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you. Matthias, looking forward to having a conversation with you on this evening. And um, I, of course, manage the channel, Dear World Christian and DearWorldChristian.com. I um, discuss lots of different topics, but primarily critical race theory and social justice and how they impact Christ church. So that's what I do. Awesome. Well, welcome back as always, Jason. Me. So yeah, we'll go ahead and dive straight into it. So Matthias, I was planning on having a friendly interview. Um, we're definitely fans of, uh, of Kathy um, and what she's done um, in her advocacy for the sort of freedom movement, whatever we want to call ourselves, um, kind of a mixture of libertarians, conservatives, anyone that uh, is just not okay with the, <laughs> the current regime that we are living under. Um, but uh, that being said, I did have some... Um, Pretty uh, pretty blunt questions. I uh, wanted to make sure that we weren't giving softballs here. So um, I'll ask you a few of them, maybe save some of them as well, uh, in hopes that we might be able to get Kathy back on sometime when she's on the mend. But uh, our prayers are with her. So chat, sure. feel free to send a prayer to Kat Kathy, and uh, we'll hope that she recovers quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe first, Matthias, go ahead and just uh, let us know kind of how you got involved um, in politics and uh with the Vivek uh, campaign, as well as um, working with Kathy. Yeah, so um, I, I was born and raised in France. I'm a dual citizen. Um, and I came to the US in 2017. I went to college to a very small liberal arts in Ohio. Uh, and that was pretty much my introduction to politics. I didn't know much, um, but I knew uh, a few things. One of them is uh, I was proud of American values. Uh, and I was very grateful to be, uh, to be able to take advantage of all the opportunities that this country was offering. And I quickly realized though that most of my classmates weren't. Uh, and that was my, my introduction to politics. You know, I, I saw a very big identity crisis uh, in the youth in this country. And that's what really got me into it. So after, upon my graduation, I interned at the Heritage Foundation uh, where I first saw Vivek as he was, he came and presented one of his books, Nation of Victims. Um, so I was, very impressed with the man. I didn't know he was going to run for president. Um, but when he did, uh, you know, I, I started listening to him and, and he was to me, the one who cast a vision for the country. Um, I see a lot of other candidates that, you know, are running away from something. Uh, we in the Republican Party are very good at 
criticizing what is wrong, pointing the finger at what is wrong and running away from it. Uh, but I saw in Vivek someone who was pointing towards something and wanted to run towards something. And, and I really liked that. Uh, and when the opportunity came to get involved with the campaign, I, I didn't think twice. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for that background. Appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I think Vivek has said a lot of great things. Um, you know, I really, uh, I, I'm one of the few individuals that knew about uh, Vivek prior to 2023. Um, so, you know, most people are asking the question of who is this guy? Where did he come from? Um, I'm one of those individuals that actually saw him on um, some of the other projects that he was involved in with the Daily Wire and some of those individuals, um, some of his early uh, kind of appearances, um, interviews. I think when he first announced Strive, he was kind of on a lot of those different podcasts kind of announcing what Strive was. There we go. Go ahead, Jason. No, you were you had kind of frozen up a little bit, so I was. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Well, hopefully, uh, internet doesn't fail us tonight. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I actually uh, heard of Avik um, in short. So, um, but many individuals in our audience um, did not know who Vivek was. And of course, um, for that reason, a lot of people are asking questions. I think a lot of people have concerns with Vivek. Um, he seems like a great guy, but, uh, we want to make sure that we ask the hard questions so that we can properly vet people that, uh, we may be giving our votes to. So, um, one of the first things, uh, one of our audience members actually on, on Twitter specifically was asking about, uh, a comment that Vivek had made about, uh, supporting transgender individuals in the military. Um, so obviously Matthias, you're just a stand in for the campaign. I don't expect you to have the exact answers that maybe Vivek would, would give, but, uh, if you could just do your best, um, to be his surrogate for tonight. Um, do you happen to know a lot of people gave pushback on his support for transgender individuals in the military? Um, so why does he support transgenderism in the military or has he changed his stance? I think he was a little bit misconstrued. You know, he was asked about it um, and he was asked about transgenderism and transgender people in the military. Uh, he said he's against it. Uh, he's been asked to clarify this uh, later on and he said he was against it. Um, the main reason is he says that transgenderism is, is a mental issue uh, and while men people with mental issues should not be in the military, I think that's a short version of it. Um, this is not the one uh, policy position that I'm most um, aware of the specifics, so I don't want to get into too much detail. I don't want to put words in his mouth, uh, but that—that that is the short summary of it. He's been asked to clarify. He did, uh, and he specified that he is not in favor of uh, transgender people in the military. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, moving on then. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people are are kind of frustrated because. Uh, Vivek is obviously running to be president, um, but a lot of people are complaining that they don't see Vivek really hitting President Trump, former President Trump, uh, on the campaign, excuse me, campaign trail. Um, and to that reason, a lot of people are feeling sort of like maybe Vivek's just running a sabotage campaign against Ron DeSantis, or maybe Vivek's not actually seriously running for the presidency. Maybe he's running to be Trump's VP pick. Of course, he's said in multiple interviews that that's not what he's doing. Um, but a lot of people have that concern. So what would be uh, the campaign's response to those concerns? Well, you know, and he's been asked about it because everyone wants him to criticize Donald Trump. Uh, and the truth is, he doesn't have a Trump derangement symptom uh, syndrome like like a lot of people do in this country. And he says it himself. He has areas of disagreement with him. Uh, and if it was another moment in this country where there wasn't a whole political apparatus attacking him, 
uh, he would probably insist on those differences more. Uh, but in his view, it is not what the country needs right now. You know, the country needs someone who wants to unify the country. Uh, we, we have deep political divisions in this country right now. Uh, and using the political system, that when the party in power is attacking uh, the opposition uh, using the Department of Justice, uh, Vivek felt the need that the best way to go about it uh, in terms of what is best to do to unify the country was to defend him. Um, so that's what he's been doing. Uh, when asked on the specifics, he said where he disagrees with him, uh, what he would do different. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have been trying to play this gotcha game with him uh, and, and try to say, like, put words in his mouth. Mouth, But if you actually listen to the specifics, he said a lot of things that he would do differently than, than what Donald Trump did and other things that he plans to do differently that Donald Trump plans to do as well. Hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think that uh, I've heard some of those criticisms, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wouldn't say that I'm one of those individuals that think he's never hit Trump. But I think a lot of people are concerned because they see sort of the vitriol that so many other um, campaigns have uh, against one another on the debate stage. And uh, many of them, of course, directing their, their fire towards President Trump. Because the reality is, uh, based on polling, which, of course, I take every single poll with uh, a pound of salt, not just a grain pound of salt, salt yeah. pound of salt. Um, but uh, regardless of that pound of salt, um, it is showing that President Trump has a, a commanding lead for the GOP nomination. So to that to that end, what is the Vivek campaign strategy to unseat Donald Trump and actually win win the the primary? Is that something that uh, that you guys have put much energy towards right now? It seems like everyone's kind of gunning for the number two spot, but uh, what does that strategy look like? Well, no, you know, I, I think we we need to to work hard and, and let the people know that Vivek is the option that uh, is best, is he is the best candidate to advance an America first uh, agenda, uh, that he will take America first further than Donald Trump ever did. And the reason for that is uh, he wants to win with a mobile mandate. He has the opportunity to win in a landslide. Uh, he is reaching out and getting young voters behind him. He is getting people that never donated to the GOP before behind him. I don't know if, if, if you've heard the statistic, but for most presidential campaigns, um, the percentage of donors that have never donated to the GOP before and then donate to this campaign is usually between two and 5%. And for Vivek, it's been around 40%. Uh, mm -hmm. So we see a lot of traction from people that have not felt necessarily uh, attracted to the GOP in the past. And, you know, when you have someone that is speaking our values so clearly as Vivek is, and that has this advantage of being young, having fresh legs and casting a vision for this country, I think the best way to go is to keep working hard, uh, you know, as we've been doing, especially in the in the early states, um, place well and, and and get momentum there. Hmm. So how do you think Iowa is going to end up going down ultimately if you were to kind of look into your crystal ball? Well, you know, we, Kathy and I have been spending a lot of time in Iowa uh, and, and the people are res responding very positively to it. Uh, caucuses are are always unpredictable uh, to some extent. Uh, it is a it is not a primary. Caucuses are, are very different. And so the, the results are much harder to predict in some sense. So, you know, we were trying to get uh, on the grassroots side, people activated uh, and and we're confident that we're going to achieve a good result there. Awesome.
So, I, yeah, I just wanted to bend. Going back to the question about how to unseat Donald Trump, do you see Vivek's age as being part of your um, superpower, for lack of a better term, or part of your strategy? Because he is considerably younger. So because of that, he does have a, he, he can appeal more to the younger audience and such like that, rather than the old guard, you know, 50 plus candidates that, that we're, we've been running. I, I'm sorry, even 70 plus candidates that we're running now. But you look at somebody who's considerably younger. What do you think about that? I, I do think it's it's an advantage to reach to young voters more, maybe makes it more attractive to young voters. But, you know, that I think the main point of it is for someone who actually believes uh, that America's best days are ahead of them, uh, it, it may be easier to see that in someone whose best days himself are ahead of him. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think this is this is one of the things that that is strikingly different between him and, and a lot of other candidates. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I would agree with you. I don't know if it's a superpower. Uh, yeah. I definitely think, uh, you know, some people say it's a disadvantage because he's never been in politics before. Some people see it as an advantage because he can reach to young voters better. Um, truth is, I, I think the vision is what's most important. Yeah, I, like I tend to agree with you. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that you don't have to be involved in politics to uh, to do well um, in office. Obviously, I mean, President Trump was the best president in my lifetime. Now, granted, I'm not very old and uh, that's a very low bar. So, you know, that's not saying much. Um, but uh, regardless, um, Trump was not a politician prior to holding office. So um, to me, I, I would say it's it's funny when people try to use that as a as a disqualifier for Vivek, because it's like, seriously, guys, like you don't understand the base. If you think that we want a professional politician. Um, so to that end, I know that's a, that's a criticism people have thrown at DeSantis. Um, mm -hmm. Now I personally don't think that DeSantis is an establishment figure. A lot of people have accused him of that. Um, but uh, I think he was a great governor. Um, now I, I've had some complaints about his campaign and how that's being ran. Um, I think that it could definitely be a better campaign, but uh, what has been sort of the, uh, uh, the viewpoint, um, the opinion of, of DeSantis and his campaign from the Vivek campaign? You know, we, we don't, we don't talk too much about other campaigns. Uh, of course we're, we're competing and, and we want to be respectful. Um, but you know, he, he's one of the most prominent political figures in the country. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to criticize. I don't want I don't want to compliment. Um, I, I, we don't really talk about other campaigns um, inside, inside the circle. So, yeah, I think that's smart. It's good to just stay focused on what you guys are doing and not necessarily look to your left or right. So, yeah, I think that's wise. Um, so one of the things, so again, we were, our audience is definitely a heavy church attending audience. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely, uh, we definitely consider ourselves to be um, a Christian podcast. Um, of course, we don't always tackle everything that's from a theological perspective all the time, 100% of the time. Um, but uh, much of our audience are Bible believing Christians. And one of the things that I think can be frustrating at times is those who are sort of uh, um, plugged into the 2024 election cycle. Many of them understand that Vivek um, has Hindu beliefs. And to that point, 
Vivek oftentimes says in the campaign trail that he believes in God, he believes in the importance of family. And I think many people feel like that's pandering towards the Christian voting base. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying that they're correct on that. I'm more just telling you what the criticism is and, um, you know, asking what's your response to that. And then of course, I know, again, you can't speak directly for Vivek personally, but mm-hmm. what, what does Vivek believe about God and specifically who does he believe Jesus to be? So I haven't had the conversation about, about Jesus with Vivek. Um, what I know is he believes in, in that there's one only God, one true God. Um, and, you know, the, the good thing about, you, you said there were critics about him to be pandering to, uh, to the Christian base. Truth is freedom of religion. Free, uh, yes. Um, freedom of religious expression is is an integral part of the first amendment uh it, it is not pandering to a base uh to actually defend the constitution vivek is a constitutional conservative and and i think it only makes sense for him uh to make it clear that he will defend religious freedom in this country yeah i think it's a good point good answer sorry yeah. Did you have anything to add to that, Jason? No, no. I, I, I'm fine with it, and um, I can appreciate. I've heard him speak on the on that matter, so I do believe I understand what he's doing and what he's saying. As um, Matthias has said, you know, he's a constitutional Republican, so I think that's something we have to keep in mind. Like he's he's aiming it towards the Constitution, not against the Constitution. So he's driving yeah. us closer and closer to. What at, he at believes the is a day, constitutional answer. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. At, at, but at the end of the day, we're we're not trying to elect a pastor in chief. Uh, we're we're trying to elect mm-hmm. a commander in chief, and, and I don't need someone uh, to be my pastor uh, in in this office. I need someone though who will defend uh, religious freedoms in this country. I need someone who will defend freedom of speech. I need someone who will defend the Constitution, uh, and I believe Vivek is is the guy to do that. Of course, I think I think the concern more from our our audience would come down to, uh, you know, his his worldview, how how his worldview is going to shape how he views, uh, for example, the sanctity of life, or how he views the sanctity of marriage, or uh, you know, some of those th- those issues that he will be um, uh, he will be governing. Uh, you know, he will be a, a magistrate in charge of setting policy and setting an example for the country. And I think that's more of where the, the criticism comes from is less of uh, that people want him to be a pastor, more of that they want to know that his worldview is going to be solid and that he's going to uh, have principled stances and he's not going to go to and fro with uh, whatever the demands of the public are at the time. Absolutely. L- luckily, he's been he's been asked about the specifics of those questions and he's unapologetically pro-life, uh, you know, and. And he, he says it. it. It is an issue that now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, and rightly so, uh, comes back to the states. Uh, he's been supporting uh, legislator, state legislators to pass uh, pro-life um, policies. Uh, I don't know if you know that Iowa passed uh, pro-life legislation yeah. about a, a few months ago. Heartbeat bill. Was, yeah. I, I believe, uh, I believe, you can fact check me on that, but I think he was the only presidential candidate who came uh, to the Iowa State Capitol that, uh, the day of the, uh, the special, uh, session, um, that, that passed this into law. So, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head on that, but I do know that, uh, 
many many campaigns have at least to vocalize their support for that, which is good. You know, honestly, at the end of the day, I want to see I want to see the majority, if not all, of the uh, Republican side um, supporting bills that can help save more more lives. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I definitely appreciate that he's been vocal about that. So, uh, to that end, I guess I'm, I'm going to follow this trail of thinking here for a bit. So, should Vivek win the presidency? And we see states like uh, Colorado and California legislating abortion up until and sometimes even after birth. What would be the Vivek, uh, President Vivek's sort of um, strategy for handling those states? Because obviously, uh, at the end of the day, the, the Christian perspective is is a belief that that's murder, you know. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, that's it's it's a whole constitutional question that we've been battling on the left and the right for many decades. And it's not going to be solved overnight, but um, how would Vivek handle some of the more barbaric uh, legislation being passed in some of these blue States? So I, I don't exactly know about the specifics, but I can, I can say that, you know, like I said, he's been very vocal and that he would support state legislature to pass pro-life bills. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to make any promise that he needs Congress uh, to pass. So he's focusing on what he can do as a president. uh, And that is either a question that comes back to the state or with very large majority of Congress. Right. So he will, he will encourage states uh, to, to pass pro-life bills uh, as, as he's been doing. Um, And yeah, you know, I think that's also part of the importance of casting a vision is we need to revive the ideals that made this country great. Uh, and, and part of these ideals is, is all the values that come with it. And, and if we do actually come to a revival in this country of, of national identity, et cetera, maybe those issues will, will come easier and we'll find a lot more agreement on it. Yeah. I hope you're right on that. I hope you are because <laughs> that's, that's something that we're praying for. You know, I'm, I'm an abolitionist. I hope that abortion, goes the way of the dodo bird. I know that's not going to happen overnight, but that is that is my prayer personally. So um, either way, I, I appreciate your transparency on that. So I, I, well, Jason, I guess I'll, I'll uh, let you jump in here if you have anything additional to add to that. No, I really do appreciate Matthias taking the time to step in. Um, I would love to continue the conversation maybe. Um, um, when, when she's on the mend, I would love to have even more and find out a little bit more about how the campaign is going and how you see um, particular battle states and such like that. Now, I did know someone asked a question earlier. Well, not really asked a question, but they expressed a concern in the chat that they thought that Vivek was using a lot of the terminologies and a lot of the approach of um, President, former President Obama. And do you see that? Do you see that as true or do you see that um, it's just, look, we're all using the same words but we have different meanings or we all have the same meanings. What, what are your thoughts on that? No, you know, I, I've seen a, a few videos of, of uh, people comparing speech about like Obama saying, this is not a Republican or a Democrat idea. And then Vivek saying the same thing eight years later. Well, the truth is if, if there's an issue and it's not a Republican or a Democrat idea and you're trying to unify the country, you might as well say it. I don't think he's, I definitely don't think he's copying Obama. Uh, I do think he's a very eloquent speaker, and, and as much as I disagree with uh, a lot of things that President Obama stands for, I think we can agree that he was a very eloquent speaker as well. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that, that's as far as the comparison gets. Yeah, and, and I will say, to be fair to Vivek on that, I will say that uh, 
you know, like you just said, if there's one thing that you can compliment Obama on, it was the fact that he was smooth. Honestly, he was a smooth talker. He he was a great performer when it comes to being in front of an audience and in front of a camera. And um, at the end of the day, if we have a, a a right wing Obama, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So long as his belief system is is better than Obama's and how he legislates is better than Obama. Um, but uh, I know he did make the make the one reference about the the skinny kid with a funny name, and I think Obama said something similar. And that's a lot of where people get their concern from. And I think um, that was that was mostly a joke. But I'm I'm sure it probably was, uh, given the fact that he's been uh, spotted rapping Eminem lyrics and things like that. I'm sure I'm sure Vivek knew what he was doing in that instance, right. but. Um, that, and I will say something just to remind the audience too. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not complimenting Obama. I think he was a terrible president in terms of his policy. Um, but his first campaign, he really much, he very much was running on a unification ticket. He very much was talking about how racism was a thing of the America's past. And it wasn't until he was up for reelection that he really busted out a lot of the racial dialogue and started being very divisive. I think that he slightly hoodwinked a lot of people uh, with his first go at the presidency. So that is something to be uh, reminded of, um, at least just on, on the surface. I think that was sort of his approach um, in his initial run for the presidency. Um, but I wanted to move on. So another thing that I think Vivek's going to have to tackle is the issue of social security. Um, now I'm a young guy personally, I'm okay with getting rid of social security for myself. Mm-hmm. I would rather just uh, not have that be taxed. I would rather just have my money. And, and uh, I think I can invest it a whole lot better uh, than the federal government. Um, but the reality is social security is an issue that causes candidates to win or lose elections. And it's very evident that boomers and other older Americans will not stand to see their social security touched in any way. Um, but at the same time, we're almost $34 trillion in debt. And it's completely unsustainable. So how does Vivek plan to address this and other other bloated spending? Yeah, you, you know, that there's a solution that no one is talking about. It's we, we have to grow our way out of debt. Um, our, our GDP growth has been very low in the past few dec- decades, you know. And, and if we can achieve 5% GDP growth again, then we'd grow ourselves out of this problem. So how do we achieve that? Well, one is unshackle the US energy, right? Like we gotta get rid of the regulations. We gotta burn coal, frack, drill, uh, and, and unshackle US energy that will grow our economy. We gotta stop paying people uh, to not go to work. You know, it, this is this is ludicrous. Um, and, and lastly, we, we need uh, to, yeah, sorry, unshackle this economy and stop people to, to to stay at home. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a great option. I do think obviously there's spending that needs to be cut. Um, but uh, sure. I, I think, I think at some point we're going to have to seriously consider as a country doing some form of a sunset to social security. Um, I realize that's not going to be a popular idea uh, and maybe that's not something that anyone should mention on a, presidential campaign but uh you know guys like me uh, you know we don't need social security we just want our we just want our tax money back so that we can invest it ourselves and maybe honor our promises to some of the older generation um but uh but that's something that seriously needs to be addressed in the in the near future but either way i i appreciate that so um i want to i want to 
briefly touch on foreign policy um because obviously things are escalating like crazy all over the map right now we're kind of on the edge of what seems to be world war three which is horrifying to think about so what overall is vivek's approach going to be when it comes to foreign policy uh don't bring us into world war three and that would be a (laughs) good start that that would be the the right frame of mind uh you, you know we we want we want a stable world right um and I'm not going to get into too many specifics because, of course, there's a lot of questions and he's getting interviewed every day about it. Um, but we got to be very intentional uh, in what we're doing in, in, with our military and uh, getting into no-win wars uh, and spending trillion and tr- trillions of dollars yeah. uh, is definitely not helping us. Uh, it hasn't helped us with Iraq. It hasn't helped us with Afghanistan. And we ought to be very careful of, of what we do with our military uh, in the future. Yeah, I appreciate that. And of course, to bring it back domestic, because again, this they, they're hand in hand, foreign policy as well as um, our domestic policy for how we uh, protect our own country's borders. Um, I've obviously heard Vivek lay out his plan for how he plans on handling the border crisis. Um, but uh, go ahead and just lay that out for our audience for those who have not yet heard it. Yeah, you know, he was the first presidential candidate to say that he'd put our own military on our own border facing Mexico. Uh, we have about 100,000 Americans dying of fentanyl every year. Uh, we have an invasion at our southern border, uh, and, and we got to do something about it. And the idea is if we can use our military to go defend someone else's border on the other side of the world, we surely should be able to use our military to protect our own border. Yeah, I completely agree. What about the northern border? So he's recently said that, uh, you know, he, want to, he, want, he wants to get ahead of that problem. Um, basically, the idea is if we seal the southern border, then the next port of entry will be the, the northern border. Uh, and we ought to do something about it. Uh, to be completely honest with you, I haven't gotten the, the very specifics of uh, his position on, on how he plans to do that. But I know he wants to get ahead of the problem uh, and not let it become a problem that we're running away from. Uh, like in the southern border right now. Yeah, I appreciate Good that. Catch. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to pardons, many people have been clamoring for the pardon of Edward Snowden and Julian Assange. Um, has Vivek made any commitment to what kind of individuals that he plans on pardoning should he become president? I know for a fact that he committed to pardon Julian Assange. Uh, I do not know about Snowden. Um, last but that was a, a while ago uh i heard him say that he didn't know the specifics of the case but he looked into it and to be completely honest with you i have not uh paid too much attention of what, what's come out after that okay that's okay yeah so i'm gonna l- list another controversial name because i i wanna i wanna really uh pick at a scab here what about derek chauvin oh wow i I don't want to put words into his mouth. I have, uh, I don't think he's been asked that question. Okay. Well, maybe ask him because it's, it's an interesting idea because I, obviously it's a very controversial one. I think, I think should Chauvin get pardoned. I think that we're going to see a whole lot of craziness. Um, but I, I definitely think that that was a miscarriage of justice. Now I'm not even saying that, that Chauvin shouldn't get any punishment. I think that that can be debated, but I, I think the severity of the punishment was a miscarriage of justice um, because that's been proven over and over in court that Chauvin did what he was trained to do. Now you can hate it. You can think that he did a terrible job, should have done more, whatever you want. But uh, um, 
I think, I think the degree, I think he was charged with multiple cases of murder. I think one was manslaughter, like involuntary manslaughter, but then also like intentional homicide. Um, and of course I'm, I'm no legal scholar, so I'm not, I'm not saying, uh, the convictions properly. Um, but, <laughs> but either way, so he unintentionally killed a guy, but then also intentionally killed a guy. It was like George a, Floyd. It's a like scholar. So it would be a very interesting question to ask him. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe get back to us on that. We'd appreciate I like that. That. <laughs> well, that would be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, one last thing here um, we had in the chat, uh, Carmen asked the question, is the constitution based on natural law or human rights? So maybe you can um, speak to uh, how Vivek um, bases the constitution. Okay. Can you, can you expand on the question? Yeah. So they're asking, is the constitution based on natural law or human rights? Well, you know, we, we have rights that are endowed by our creator and this is uh, <laughs> How, how our constitution came about. So I think that the question is is pretty straightforward. That the answer would be pretty straightforward. I don't think he's been asked that question. So again, you know, I, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but that that would be what the the only logical answer to me. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much, Matthias. We really oh, appreciate it. We appreciate you jumping on. Um, I know we kind of just threw a lot at you all at once. We went everywhere, but uh, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we got some of our questions out. I've definitely got a, a list that I saved for Kathy uh, in case she's uh, on the mend and can join us some other time. But uh, either way, we do appreciate you great. jumping in. It's not easy to <laughs> to to fill in for someone who's already being a surrogate in the first place for a campaign. So I think you did a, a, a great job despite uh, job. despite the task. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Very me, guys. Uh, and again, sorry we couldn't get Kathy on. Uh, we'll, we'll try to work uh, something for for later date. Yeah, no worries. Mm-hmm. And if you have anything to shout out, Matthias, feel free to go ahead and do that before uh, before we kick you out. <laughs> oh, well, you know, so well, Kathy just launched her uh, her new podcast, her own podcast. It's called the Kathy Barnett Show, uh, in which she addresses a lot of questions that uh, people in the chat or or people in general are asking themselves today so if they want to check it out it's it is on apple podcast now um check it out yeah perfect well thanks so much i really appreciate matthias and uh we'll hopefully be in contact real soon all right thank you very much for having thank you so much friend all righty everyone well There was our interview with matthias um definitely spontaneous you never know how things are are going to go down when it, when it comes time to hit record, but uh, we appreciate you all bearing with us and hopefully we can get Kathy on some other time soon and uh, reschedule. Um, this was actually the third time rescheduling with Kathy and I almost didn't promote it for that reason. I thought, mm, I just don't want to keep, uh, you know, uh, teasing yeah. the audience, but uh, got confirmation uh, just the other day. And then um, Matthias has been the one actually communicating with me on Kathy's behalf. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I guess she was sick and uh, he didn't know um, or uh, some some sort of communication error happened there. But either way, um, we appreciate him coming on. So uh, be sure to check out Kathy's new podcast and uh, and be sure to give that a follow. Um, but yeah, Jason, I just wanted to turn it over to you. What's your initial thoughts on just the whole interview and uh, kind of where we stand with uh, with everything we just went through with Matthias? No, I thought it was a good interview. You had some great questions, Connor. I noticed that my, my question came up. However, I hate it that deep down inside, I was like, I don't know if this is exactly what um, Vivek would answer or even Kathy would answer. I don't think that he gave answers that were 
totally in left field. And I think he definitely gave the spirit of their answer, if you will. However, I do think there's questions that like, boy, I would love to hear what they would actually say about this and not their, their emissary, but he did a great job. I mean, he was uh, definitely a sharp individual. They got some good people on their team. So prayerfully uh, we'll get another opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So Jason, what was your first time hearing about Vivek? I'm just curious. When he, um, the, when he went on the breakfast club. Mm. So literally, I don't know why two months ago. Maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not, or whenever it was when he was on the breakfast club. So let's just say the summer. So gotcha. maybe four months ago, but not that much longer. Um, I, all I do is remember I mispronounced the guy's name and, and my comment section and my, Live chat gave me unholy um, grammar lesson about how I was mispronouncing the guy's name. I forgot what I was saying it was, but it was pretty bad though. It was mm. it was horrible because mm. um, it was like my first time hearing about hearing about him. Oh, you know what it was? It was when he went to Chicago to get a haircut. Mm. It was that little interaction right there. I was like, oh man, I should do a video about this. Um, I think this is kind of cool, and so that's that was a. First time I had ever, yeah, that was when that was the first time I heard of him. So I <laughs> flying blind, and I really bumbled and messed up his name a lot. However, I thought that the way he handled it by going into a community, into an area that was not necessarily favorable toward Republican candidates or really any candidate that's not a black candidate, was going to be interesting. And I thought he handled himself really well. The questions that were asked of him about the border and such like that, I thought were actually really good. And I thought he handled it well. So that's why I thought that he was going to be a good, that was going to be a good opportunity to respond or talk about him. And it was. Yeah, I agree. I, I wish more uh, Republican candidates would do it. You know, I understand it, it's scary to approach, you know, an area that's not favorable to you, and especially when, you know, Republicans are automatically labeled racist, no matter what they do um, in the media's eyes. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of individuals, especially in the inner cities, um, in the black community in Chicago and New York, both currently that are absolutely upset about illegal immigration and how it's affecting their communities right now. And that's honestly a, a great opportunity for people, uh, you know, to go in and, and rack up some, some votes where we other, otherwise would not see them. Now, maybe in a presidential campaign, it's not the best place to, you know, to go to Illinois. It's a state you're probably not going to win no matter what as a Republican. Maybe that's, that's a little true. hard electoral for the electoral college to spend a lot of resources there and same with New York, but uh, um, for individual you know, campaigns and the congressional level, definitely something that people need to maybe start uh, focusing in on because I, I think um, black men, especially uh, they really are not handling the transgender push well. Right. Um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there to maybe expand, uh, you know, even if it's by one, 2%, you know, those, those margins really matter in these uh, high stake elections right now. That is true. I also think that by letting people know like, Hey, getting out there, getting out of the cars, out, out from behind the camera and getting out, shaking hands and kissing babies. It allows people to actually see like, Oh, this is a real human. And I understand he understands my plight and he listened to me and such like that. That goes a long way. Cause again, we're dealing with a, a televised government where lots of what we're 
dealing with with our government is through a screen of some short sort. But to actually have shake your hand, come into the you come into my neighborhood, you're hanging out. That I mean, yeah, you're still gonna probably lose Illinois, but it won't be because you didn't go and introduce yourself and just plant the seeds that will maybe yeah. in 50 years, Lord willing, will allow another candidate to win Illinois, but even more than that, to provide people with a hope and maybe inspire them to do something different for their own communities and however the elections go, but they can do something different for their own communities. Who knows? You might inspire somebody like that. Yeah, I agree. And you know that we need to play the long game. That's something that the left is totally unafraid of doing. They don't mind throwing a hundred thousand dollars into a super red area just to see what kind of data they can collect for, you right. know, what that could look like as a future prospect. And, and part of that's because the the right does not have the the mega donors. Um, we don't have the Silicon Valley um, paychecks coming in our way. Um, you know, it, it makes it a little bit harder to do some of that stuff. But that's why you don't have to necessarily spend uh, you know a ton of money, just maybe a bit of time and uh, minimal resources, just to you know some flights, <laughs> um, you know uh, the gas to get there um, to to maybe start making some inroads that could pay off, um, you know, down the road because. Um, Lord knows we we need to start being much much more intelligent and strategic with uh, <laughs> with how we campaign.